Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. I'm very kind to John Sauber, the Center Daily Times, to allow me to say all that, even though he was aching to. John, welcome. Great to have you with us. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Steve. I, uh, I still am slowly working through my grieving process from the Super Bowl, so appreciate you having me on. <laughs> yeah, I'm Hopefully sure. Hopefully this will help. Uh, I'm sure. Well, we'll find out. Uh, let's start with, uh, with Jalen Pickett. There are 4,719 Division I basketball players, over 163, uh, over 363 teams. I'm a Wooden Award voter, and of those 4,719, it gets down to 20. He's one of the 20. I've gone through the free throws of the other 19 over the past four games. Kyle Filipowski is the lowest from Duke at 12 attempts over the last four games. Jalen Pickett has won. What are you seeing, John? Uh, a lot of contact, right? Uh, I, I, I'm seeing that much. And this is the kind of the crux of, uh, I think, Micah Shrewsbury's issue with, with officiating. Um, it, I'm, I've never been a big, uh, you know, superstars get a special whistle kind of guy. But I agree with you on that. John, I agree with you on that. I, I think a whistle is a whistle. Go ahead. Yep, and, and I think... Part of the issue is, though, those guys tend to get fouled more, just in general, right? Because they're more aggressive, uh, especially in college basketball. They're more confident in their talent, and where defenders aren't as good, you know, somewhere like the NBA, and uh, they get hacked a lot, right? And uh, defense are more desperate to try and stop them, kind of at whatever cost. Um, and so, you know, I, I see Jalen Pickett posting up. I see him facing up on those post-ups and then getting hit in the hands, the arms, the body. Uh, and then I see him running back on defense without a whistle, right? Like it's, it's one of those things that, um, I don't know. It, I, I've, I've never been a big believer. I, I hear people say all the time, uh, prior to this season anyways, like, oh, Penn State never got a friendly whistle. And I was never a big believer in that. I didn't think there's some like, and I still don't think there's some like conspiracy, grand conspiracy or anything, but it is one of those things where it's like, you see this year and it's like, man, like that's, I don't know if it's been totally true in the past, but it feels true this year. And, and, this was this was true back when uh, I covered Indiana my, my first season uh, you know covering a, a D1 team I covered Indiana University men's basketball and you know the whistles weren't great then either right this is this has been a problem in the Big Ten and I think it's specifically a problem right now with one of the best players in the country and uh, the the thing about the superstar whistle to me is showing showing a guy that good enough respect to know when he's getting hacked because of his aggressiveness and because of the way he plays. Uh, and, and I don't think it's just him either. The one that stood out all year to me uh, was the one that uh, Shrewsbury has mentioned in the past too with Andrew Funk coming off screens and getting grabbed. That's happened with Seth Lundy too. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't get called. Uh, it's because they play a, a sort of an ultra-modern form of basketball, which is smart and efficient, but it also creates contact that maybe officials aren't used to looking for in the college game, or at least in the Big Ten. Um, and this is, you know, I, I have had the thought that, you know, this could be a team, and now this, the, their hopes of getting there are a little uh, tenuous, but I, I thought they could have performed better in an NCAA tournament setting where maybe some of the officials aren't in the conference and aren't used to seeing these guys um, because of Pickett and because maybe he gets a, a better whistle when when it's uh, a conference official that isn't necessarily familiar with this game, but you know that might be a moot point now. Uh, but it is one of those things where you look at it, you're like, man, this was this is a guy that's got to go down as ever potentially the best uh, season of all time in Penn State men's basketball, 
and just went to the free throw line what feels like six times. Yeah, um, my issue with it, is, uh, first of all, I want to agree with what you were talking about. I have never been one that has sat back and thought, oh, they're getting the short end. They always get the short end of the stick. That, that's not how I look at things. And I, everybody knows they, they think yeah, you look at everything through blue and white glasses. I've done a lot of games, John. Right? <laughs> and, and I don't look at that, right? But I'm looking at the obvious, Right, so I'll I'll give you an example of one play, and, you, I, and and as soon as I start describing it, you'll know the play I'm talking about. Penn State's attacking the basket to our left in the second half, so we're courtside. So I've been courtside three of the last four games, so I've seen more of this in the last uh, few two weeks. Young is guarding him. Young's a really good player. Top of the key, Jalen, boom. Young chest bumps him. Well, John, that's a foul. Yep. He then gets to the foul line on the same play as he's still moving his way toward the basket. And Young, okay, no arms, no hands, okay, chest out, bump, hits him again. That's a foul. All right. Then they go into the lane, and then Jalen goes up, and you know, and he got hit, and he got grabbed, and there was no call. So he gets fouled three times on the play, and two of them are in the wide open floor where everybody can see it, and they allow it to happen. That's the part I'm sitting back saying. That is a foul. That's a foul because there's contact. But to me, basketball needs to be flow, movement, shooting. And one of the reasons I think the Big Ten has not been succeeding in the NCAA tournament is that they spend two and a half months being officiated in a phone booth and not 94 by 50. Yeah, I, I think you 100% know it, right? That, that point especially is... Uh, a major reason as to why this conference consistently goes into the, the NCAA tournament and has issues, right? Like you said, they are officiated in the phone booth, right? It is as if you can commit any foul you want once you get within like 14 feet of the rim and, and no one's going to say anything about it. Uh, they're also like, it, it's also a conference that seems to emphasize the, the ticky tack, right? I've seen some, some calls on offensive screens and this is on both ways. There was one uh, that, that was called on Wisconsin, uh, and when Penn State played them at the Bryce Jordan Center last week, that I was like, yes. man, like yeah. just just let him play through that. There was no real contact there, um, and like maybe he grazed Total, him or uh, whatever. But John, in fact, I made that same comment as soon as, as soon as they called the foul. It was on Wisconsin. I looked over. I said, Dick, that's like uh, I don't want to bring up a sore subject here. So that's like defensive holding in the NFL. It's the default call. Mm-hmm. Right and Penn State got, it was called for three of those in that game. Now the one on Funk at the top was legit. That was a really good call. Funk was yep. he pushed with both hands, but the other two were were to me BS. And the one at Maryland was right in front of me, and that was BS. Like let them play. Yeah, especially an, an offense that relies so much on off ball screens. Yes. Right, you're gonna it, it the logic that, that doesn't track for me as well. I would assume if those fouls are going to get called then it's also going to be a foul when a guy trying to come off a screen is grabbed, right? Like it would, logic would tell you that, okay, if they're, they're paying hyper-focused attention to off-ball screens and even on-ball screens, if they're watching screens in general, they'll see when guys are grabbed, come, grabbed coming around them. But that doesn't seem to be the case. And I think this, again, this gets to the crux of the issue with Big Ten officiating. It's not so much like being slanted one direction or the other. Right. It's being inconsistent. I, yeah. think, I think most players would tell you they would – you know, if a game's going to be called tight, they're fine with that. They just need to know early so they know how to play. Or if it's going to be called loose, yeah. they need to know that so they can know how to play, right? That It's just the seemingly a switch flips from one half to another, from one possession mm-hmm. to another. 
I mean, um, and it's and been con- like that for years. Right, and conversely, and conversely, the last 57 minutes of basketball, Penn State's opponent's been called for a total of 14 fouls. In the last 57 minutes of basketball, Penn State's opponent's been called for 14 fouls. Like, okay, I'm watching the same game. I don't, I don't get, I don't get that because I'm seeing what you're seeing. I come off a screen. There's a tug of the jersey. I do over this. There's contact down here on top of the key. I'm watching it bump up, and I'm like, I'm getting confused. Now, that doesn't get to why Penn State hasn't won. Okay, that's just you and me talking about a big picture item, right? right. The big reason Penn State has struggled the last two weeks, John, has been defense. So let's 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 get that. You know, I wanted to talk about that because of the interest of it, and it is a game within the game. But now let's get to the big picture reason why. The big picture picture reason why is Penn State needs to play better defense. What are you seeing on Penn State's defensive end? Yeah. So the the last probably forty of the last fifty minutes of basketball, I, would, I, I saw improvement, which is good, right? I think. Yep. Uh, the defense was much better in the last 10 minutes and a little bit of overtime was weird against Wisconsin. It's tough to discuss that because so many guys were in foul trouble. So they were yeah. trying not to foul out. And it was, right. it was just a difficult situation uh, for some of those guys. But the last 10 minutes of regulation against Wisconsin, pretty much 30 of the 40 minutes against Maryland, thought they were good defensively. Right. And as Micah Shrewsbury said yesterday, they made some mistakes, but uh, it felt like those mistakes were less, major right like it felt like they mattered a little less they were just small uh minutiae mistakes that maybe don't hurt you as much uh, in the long run they're easily fixable and they're not about effort and they're not about you know uh, being willing to guard on the perimeter which i think has been the major issue when they are struggling uh it's that they they let guys so this def- this defense is never going to protect the rim well uh when teams are near the rim they just don't have the size to do it and keba jai for as much as he's improved still isn't there to be like a rim protector yet um, so they have to prevent guys from getting there, and that's where things really collapsed over the last couple of weeks. Guys were getting blown by from the perimeter. They couldn't stop the ball. Uh, you know, They allowed teams to, to get penetration, get to the rim, force them to rotate, and then suddenly you're giving up threes because guys are rotating. Maybe someone misses a rotation, uh, and it all kind of collapsed just because of that dribble penetration that they were giving up. That has improved, like I said, in those last two games. Uh, it's going to have to improve tonight, too, because Illinois loves to live at the rim, and they've got some shooters that can hang on kickouts, too. Yeah. Uh, so th- they they need to be better tonight. I mean, quite frankly, they need to be better the rest of the year if they want any chance of making uh, not just the NCAA tournament at this point, but I think the NIT is, I mean, it's still there. Like, it's not like it, yeah. it's a long shot, but, like, things were trending or are trending in a, in a negative direction. So to stop that, they need to defend. Um, you know, it's just a matter of... Uh, doing it all at once and doing it, like like Andrew Funk said yesterday, for 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, that's not something they had been able to put together of late. Um, you know, but, but this is still, I would say this is still salvageable. To what extent, I don't know. Like, the NCAA tournament is a long shot at this point. Still yeah. possible, for sure, but yep. a long shot. Um, but I do think that they can rebound from this and prove that maybe they're closer to the team that we saw in mid-January than they are the one that played in the last two weeks. Yeah, because what they are not because of the way they're built, for the most part, outside of maybe a Kanye Clary, they're not a team that's going to get a steal and generate offense off defense. Right. Uh, and that, you know, and that, then let's bring up Clary. Uh, Clary has played more the last couple of weeks, and then he puts together a 17 spot against Maryland. What are you seeing in him pro and con as you move forward? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that, that Kanye brings is that 
speed off the dribble, right? They, for as awesome as Jalen Pickett is, uh, offensively especially, he does not have the athleticism. Uh, he knows that. The world knows that, right, to, to beat someone off the dribble. It's why you see him get switched on to guys like Stephen Crowell and Zach Eady. And a lot of those that level of guards would just blow by them. He's still being methodical and searching for the right matchup to, to make it work because his advantage is against smaller guys, against weaker guys, um, because he uses his size and his strength. So, so Kanye brings this dimension of, of just ability to get to the rim, ability, ability to put pressure on the rim and pressure on a defense that other guys just don't have on the team. Even Cam Winter, uh, he's more craft than, than athleticism. Yes. He's more skilled than yeah. athleticism and, yeah. and likes to get to that 12-footer, maybe a little bit of floater range finish around the rim with, with craft and skill rather than, uh, you know, just speed. And, and, and Clary is, is so fast off the dribble. He's got an unbelievable first step. And then when he gets to the rim, part of the issue was finishing recently. I think that's the biggest step recently. And, and uh, Micah said this yesterday too, that, that he's finishing now, right? When he gets to the rim, it's not just getting there. It's, he was finishing and finishing through contact. Uh, it was funny. I actually asked Micah about it, if he thought it could help some of the, the fouls issues, right? Like them not getting calls because if Kanye's putting pressure on the rim, and he duly noted that he's a freshman and probably won't be getting those calls either, uh, which is true. Uh, and uh, so, you know, it, it's not going to fix that issue, but it does give them some speed and some pace uh, and gives them the chance to sort of run when they, like you said, you know, maybe he can give them one or two transition opportunities they wouldn't have, not even necessarily off the steal, but off a made basket, right, where you just give him the ball quickly and he beats the defense down the court. Uh, and and frankly, let's pick it rest a little because that dude has played 40 minutes too many times in his career. Right. Yeah. I don't know how he does it. Yeah. Uh, it's an Iron Man feat that I could only dream of accomplishing. <laughs> um, but he he's done it, and he probably would continue to do it this the rest of this year if they asked him to. But you could tell, I think, a little bit at the end of the Maryland game, he was getting a little bit gassed. Yeah. Um, and Clary was there to kind of help him out a bit, and that's what he needs. And he needs uh, the support of other ball handlers, and Cam Winner's been able to do that for stretches, and now adding another ball handler like like Clary to that, that mix of, allowing Pickett to maybe not take a possession or two off, but kind of not be at 100% go every possession, I think could be incredibly helpful for him. John, Illinois is a bit different than when Penn State played them in December in that Sky Clark had pulled himself out and is he's out right now, and that's because he pulled himself out uh, for his personal issues. So Epps is now the point guard. And Ian Martinez has been in a deep slump. I mean, Martinez has been in a deep slump. And so now they're starting Dane Danger. So now they've got Danger, they've got Meyer, and they've got Hawkins. I mean, that's six nine, six eight, six ten up front. They are a different style. John, what do you think now of a even though Illinois is not it does not have a deep bench. But what about the matchups Penn State's going to have to face with how big Illinois is now? Yeah, they they gotta they gotta dare them to shoot, right? That that's got to be it. Uh, I think Penn State needs to be near the rim, uh, even though they're small. I need I think they need to not close out as hard. You know, close out, chop your feet, stay in front of guy, and don't necessarily bite on any pump fakes unless it's Matthew Meyer. Yep, right. He is he has been fantastic. Um, you know, and has been fantastic pretty much all year off the catch. Uh, he runs off screens. He's, he's an excellent shooter. Uh, Danger is one of those kind of anomalous guys who is skilled. Uh, isn't a great shooter, but is skilled and will try and beat you around the rim with skill, even though he's enormous and can beat you with power too and can take you off the dribble and attack closeout. So you kind of, you can't give him that opportunity. Uh, he's going to try and take it and, and they have to be, be mindful of that. Maybe try and take a charge or two. Use his size and aggressiveness against him. Uh, Coleman Hawkins, like, is is 
been incredible uh, as a passer for them this year. Uh, doesn't I don't think it's enough credit for that. He yep. he's more of a ball mover than like a, a shot creator. But mm-hmm. the way the ball doesn't stick with him, the way that he's able to get looks for his teammates. But again, shooting an issue. Uh, and you know there, there's the, the list of guys you can go down the entire list. You know R.J. Melendez can't really shoot. Coleman Hawkins can't really shoot. Jaden yeah. Neff can't really shoot. You yeah. know Terrence Shea, same thing. Like it's all these guys that are really aggressive, run in transition, get to the rim, and will just beat you up defensively. And that's what makes them really good. Uh, it's not this like I want to be clear. These guys are all very good players, despite not being great shooters. They're all you know below average, generally speaking, around thirty-one to thirty-three percent in that range. Uh, but Penn State, and like I know this is a dangerous proposition given what Mason Gillis did to this team and uh, Casey yeah. Tominaga did. Yeah, but you got to just let those guys take those shots. Yeah. And, you know, if they make them, you, you just kind of tip your cap and move on. Uh, I bring this up all the time. I always remember uh, when when Indiana, my, my year covering uh, the Hoosiers, when they played Michigan State, Indiana had Justin Smith on their team. Smith later transferred to Arkansas. And I think he was with the Sixers on a two-way recently. Uh, yeah. Not sure where he's been since, but he was not a great shooter, right? He had made like four or five threes all year. And I believe he shot six of seven from three against Michigan State. And I remember sitting in the post-game press conference, and every question that was asked, Tommy Izzo was like, yeah, what are you going to do when that guy makes six or seven threes when it's what he's made all year, right? Like, sometimes you just have to live with it uh, because it's good strategy and the guy isn't necessarily a great shooter. And if he's going to make them, you, like I said, you tip your cap and move on. I think that's probably got to be the strategy here tonight. Uh, just don't let them beat you at the rim. Don't turn the ball over, which was an issue against Maryland. Uh, if they repeat that issue, Illinois is going to run and there's a chance like they could blow Penn State out. So Penn State has to hold on to the ball, and they have to not give up, uh, you know, shots at the rim. Do that, and they got a real chance to win this thing. But this is a dangerous Illinois team, and like you said, they're very different than the one that Penn State beat back in December. In about a minute here, uh, sometimes because of Jalen Pickett, I, I feel like Seth Lundy has gone under the radar. Now, not with you. I mean, you see the team all the time. Right. What do you like about, you know, the improvement he's made in his game and what he means? He is, this level of consistency is not something I expected from Lundy. Uh, to his credit, he's remarkably consistent uh, on the court and, you know, for all intents and purposes, it seems off the court as well. Guys keep pointing to him as someone who keeps doing the work no matter win or loss. Um, it's it's really everything, right? It's, you know, you, you live with some of the shots that aren't great, some of the 18-footers with the foot on the line, uh, but he'll get those step backs, those three-pointers that are step backs that he creates space to get a shot off because he can shoot over anyone. Um, the confidence to to be a menace defensively on and off the ball. I think we saw a lot of the on the ball stuff last year. He said he wanted to be better off the ball this year, and he has been. Yeah, uh, he is essentially everything you want in a modern basketball player. Can shoot, can attack a closeout, uh, can can hit a step back if you need him to create a little bit of space. Although you don't want him necessarily having to create a ton, and he can just defend and defend and defend and really limit guys. Um, I think outside of Pickett, their most consistent player all year and alongside Pickett, like easily their two most valuable guys given what they've done this season and, and how good he's been on both ends of the court. He's in the top 10 in the nation in three-point percentage. And uh, that feels like it's going up. He yeah, usually, it is he's going usually up. due for a 5 for 10 every once in a while. Yeah. I mean, that's the way he's been. He's been relatively consistent. John, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for the great insight. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Steve.